Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, please be opening it to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I know it's been a couple Sundays since we've been in the Gospel of John, but we're going to be back there this morning. What a beautiful thing that was. To just, uh, I'm glad Tom called that audible. And, and that's the right terminology for Tom. It's an audible. You know, <laughs> Use the football terms there. Um, but I was just thinking of you know, people gathering together to sing like that. Of course, that's what God desires. He desires our heart, but that's also something that is rarer and rarer in our culture today, that, that we don't have as much people just gathering together and singing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. John chapter 10, um, thank, thankful for Tom leading that song and, and Bobby reading Psalm 23. And there's a reason for that. This morning, we're learning about the Good Shepherd. I want to read verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord." I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You know, as we journey through the Gospel of John, we continue to encounter these, these images that Jesus uses to get his message across. And we find three images here in John chapter 10. We find the images of sheep, shepherd, and a gate or a door. And these images, they mean something to us. We've seen sheep before. Most of us have have likely seen more pictures of sheep than actual sheep. My kids used to like to watch Shaun the Sheep, which was this really funny and clever show. And so when we hear sheep, this is one of the first things we think of. We relate images to what we know 
That's just the way it is. Shepherd is the image that we're probably least familiar with. Uh, we, 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 we understand the concept. We've read about it. We've maybe seen it portrayed in a movie or television show. But unless you've traveled outside the United States, you've probably never seen an actual shepherd who lives with his sheep. And, and gate is one of those common images that transcends time and culture. No matter when or where you live, you've used a gate before. That's us. But what about the, the people that Jesus is speaking to? What about the, the people who received the Gospel of John? How did they understand these images that we find in this text? Well, they understood them differently than we do because of their relationship to them. They had never seen Sean the sheep, but they had other experiences. They saw sheep every day. And they interacted with sheep on a regular basis. They took sheep to the temple to be slaughtered and offered as a sacrifice. And all of them knew shepherds. Some of them were shepherds. The other big difference when it comes to relationship with these images is they had a thorough understanding of the Old Testament. And so the, the images that Jesus is using here, they are not new images. They are rooted in Hebrew scripture. And they meant something to the people whom he was speaking to. We Christians, we like to camp out in the last part of the Bible for obvious reasons. That's where Jesus shows up. However, we will have a better understanding of Jesus and the New Testament the more familiar we are with the Old Testament. And we'll see this today as we talk about John 10 and we see its relationship to especially Ezekiel chapter 34. But let's begin with this image of sheep. This is an image that has become more prevalent in our culture the last couple of years. It's become sort of this derogatory term for people who obey. And so to call someone a sheep is not a compliment. Um, this is what the culture says. But when we open our Bibles, we discover that, that we, followers of God, are called sheep over and over again. And it's a theme that runs throughout both the Old and the New Testament. God's people are sheep. And we just have to live with that. Okay, we think, if I'm going to be a sheep, then I'm going to be a, a spotless lamb. I'm going to be one of these cute cuddly sheep that everyone finds adorable. Isn't that nice? Well, that might be the image that we have, but it's not really what the Bible has in mind. Um, <laughs> sheep are dirty and smelly and they're, they're not very bright. And, and, and what we're supposed to get from this image that's used over and over again is that we are sheep and we need a shepherd. That we cannot do life on our own because if we try to, it's not going to turn out well. We need to be a part of a community of sheep and we need to be led by God, the good shepherd, the true shepherd. Now, the Bible presents a very high view of humanity. We are created in the image of God. 
All life is precious. God sent his son to die for us. We are special in his eyes. And yet at the same time, Scripture recognizes that human beings easily go astray. That when we are left to our own devices, we make a mess of things. And we often deceive ourselves thinking that we know best. And then we go off and we get ourselves in trouble. We need God. We need his ways. We need to be guided by him and his word. And this is the point that Jesus is making when we get to John 10 and verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. And so what is our responsibility as sheep in God's fold? Our responsibility is to know the voice of Jesus. Well, how do we know this? Well, we do it by spending time daily in God's word. We do it by belonging to a community that regularly comes together to open up the scriptures, to hear them read, and to study them. We do it by having people mentor us, especially older Christians, mentor us in the ways of Jesus. We cannot expect to to know the voice of Jesus if we're not familiar with the voice of Jesus. Now, here's the problem. We live in perhaps the noisiest age known to humanity. We are constantly bombarded by voices. We have voices telling us this and that. We encounter voices on television and radio and billboards and the internet and all over the place. We can't get away from them. And some of these voices even pretend to know Jesus. They use his name or they invoke his name, even though what they are saying is contrary to his ways. Well, guess what? Satan is crafty. Satan knows and uses scripture. He did this from the very beginning. He uses God's words in the Garden of Eden. He takes God's words and he twists them. And when he shows up to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, guess what he does? He quotes scripture. And his tactics have not changed. And so if we think we're going to know Jesus' voice just because we attended Sunday school when we were young then we're in trouble. If we believe we're going to know his voice because occasionally we listen to someone who talks about Jesus, we're just deceiving ourselves. Because guess what? God's ways are not our ways. We're not going to just come by them naturally. We need to regularly be in God's word. And we need to hear these words of Jesus over and over again. We need to know what God desires. We need to know the character of Jesus. So when we go out into this confusing world full of all these competing voices, we can recognize what is of God and what is not. And it's our responsibility to know the voice of Jesus. Because without knowing that voice, we are lost. Without it, we're going to be tossed around by every movement, every trend, every headline that comes along. A person 
who knows the voice of Jesus is not shaken by all these things. A person who knows the voice of Jesus keeps on listening and and following no, no matter what's happening all around them. One of the greatest threats to our world is that we are busier and more distracted than we have ever been. We don't slow down. We don't make time for God. We don't have these regular rhythms where we pray and we spend time in God's word. And, and, and the more that we put distance between us and Jesus, the less likely we're going to be able to recognize his voice. And the best thing that we can do for ourselves and for our family is to commit to knowing Jesus's voice. Because his voice provides the wisdom we need. And his voice comforts us. And his voice leads to life. But we have to know it to hear it. So we have to know Jesus and his ways in order to be saved. Verse 9 says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. There's no other way in which to be saved. It's only through Jesus. He's the gate. He's the door. Again, there are lots of voices out there that are promising salvation. But there's only one that can follow through. And if we want eternal life, then we better start looking to Jesus and not these other people claiming to offer salvation. Because we find salvation in the name of Jesus. We find salvation through the blood of Jesus. We find salvation by following the ways of Jesus. Now, it's important that we don't neglect that last one. Because that's what is at issue here in this text. Notice the very next verse, John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Several times in Scripture, we find the the presentation of what's called the two ways. In fact, we talked a little bit about it this morning in in our class on Ephesians. But uh, there there are two ways presented. There's the way that leads to life, and there's the way that leads to death. There is a way that is bent on destruction, and there is a way that wants to build up through goodness and flourishing. One of the most famous places that we find the two ways presented is at the beginning of the book of Psalms. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The psalmist is paying attention to the voice of God. He's meditating day and night. These are two ways. Which are you going to choose? We, we find the two ways presented in Galatians 5, 19 through, 20, through 24. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so there is the way of divisions and the way of peace. There is the way of anger and the way of gentleness. There is the way of strife and the way of kindness. And if we follow the way of Jesus, we will crucify the flesh and all its ways. We will produce the fruit of the Spirit. We find the way of Jesus presented in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the poor in heart, or the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And so the way of Jesus leads to abundant life right now. Let me say that again. The way of Jesus leads to abundant life right now. We don't have to wait until we die. We will experience blessing when we follow the way of Jesus. The Christian life is not one of misery until we finally reach the end and then we get to go to heaven. That's not how it's described. Instead, the Christian life is one of abundance. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to give it abundantly. It's one of joy. It's one of blessing. And if that does not describe your life, then something is wrong. And I would just say to you this morning to to, to get serious about following Jesus and his ways. And reject the works of the flesh. Reject all all the worldly ways that that, that are trying to entice us every day. And just fix your eyes on Jesus. And, and, And spend time, maybe begin the Sermon on the Mount. Spend time in the Sermon on the Mount. And just try. Try those ways that you read about there. The world is going to be the world. Always has been, always will be. The world is devoted to death and destruction. Uh, Jesus is telling us that here and he's calling us to be different. We are to come out of that and devote ourselves to Jesus. We are to be a light to the world. We are to spread goodness. We are to practice mercy and grace. We are to share the good news. We are to shine light in the darkness that is all around us. We are to point people to the abundant life that is possible in Jesus Christ. There's a better way to live. And it's the way of Jesus. Well, if we're going to follow this way, then what we need is a leader. We need someone to to guide us. We can't do it on our own. We need someone who can model our life after. We can follow them. And Jesus provides this model. Look at what he says in verses 11 through 15. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, this idea of a a shepherd leader is unique to us. Um, We're we're not used to uh, hearing our leaders compare themselves to a shepherd. and so, So because of this, we sometimes think, well, there must be something unique about being a shepherd uh, and, and, and we can apply that to leadership. And, and that's sort of what we talk about when we come to this text. But the truth is, if you begin to kind of dig deeply and you read about what's going on in the culture there, is that this idea of a shepherd leader was a common image that was used in the ancient world. Uh, other world leaders adopted this image. It wasn't unique to Israel. Uh, pagan leaders called themselves shepherds. You'll see the, the, the shepherd's crook here was a common, common image that was used by the pharaohs. The background for this text and what we need to understand it is Ezekiel 34. This is where the prophet speaks against false shepherds. So he acknowledges, you know, there, there are false shepherds and there's a true shepherd. And, and what Jesus is doing in John 10 is he, he is echoing these words that are found in Ezekiel 34. And Jesus is speaking against the political and religious leaders of his day. He's saying, these are false shepherds. Their ways are not leading you to life and flourishing. They criticize him when he heals on the Sabbath. The Herod of Jesus' birth was no better than Pharaoh. They both ruled from this place of fear, and they had innocent children put to death. The unique thing about John chapter 10 is not that Jesus calls himself a shepherd. There were lots of leaders in his day and before him who did that. What is unique is that he calls himself the good shepherd. And so he's saying he's different from all these false shepherds. These false shepherds are only looking out for themselves. And so in order to understand John 10, we need to know Ezekiel 34. And in verses 1 through 10 of that chapter, Ezekiel prophesies against the false shepherds. He describes their ways. He accuses them of not feeding and taking care of the sheep. And then what he does, he compares the false shepherds with the true shepherd. I'll just read a couple of verses, but you can go back later and maybe read more of Ezekiel 34. and It's very interesting. But, but listen to his description of the true shepherd. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And he goes on and on there. But but what's amazing about Ezekiel 34 and why we should know it is that Jesus is saying, he is this shepherd here. And, And this shepherd in Ezekiel 34, beginning of verse 11, this true shepherd is God. 
And what Jesus is doing for those who know how to hear and those who know Ezekiel 34 is that Jesus is putting himself in the place of God. He's saying he is God. He's saying he's that shepherd that's described in Psalm 23. He's not just any shepherd. He's the true shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Well, how do we know that Jesus is the good shepherd? You know, people say all kinds of things, but it doesn't mean it's true. Well, Jesus himself tells us. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And this is what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so we don't have to just take Jesus' word for it. He's going to show us. He's not like all these other leaders who are claiming to be shepherds who are only concerned about their power, only concerned about themselves. Jesus is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And so Jesus did not come to just take from us. He had not come to steal and to destroy. He came to give. He came to give life and give it abundantly, and that's exactly what he did. Why can we trust Jesus? Because he did what he said he was going to do. He gave his life for you and for me. What other leader is going to do that? We have a reason to trust Jesus. We have a reason to follow Jesus. And so what are you waiting for? Embrace this abundant life that he came to give all of us. Stop trusting in leaders who promise everything and deliver nothing. Except Jesus as your king. Follow the the good shepherd and learn his ways. This week, let me encourage you just to find one way to turn from the ways of the world and turn toward Jesus. I think all of us can do this. Just find one way to draw closer to the Good Shepherd. Maybe it's watching 15 less minutes of Netflix at night and spending time in God's Word. Maybe it's turning off the the talk radio in the car and turning on a, a sermon or Bible study. Maybe it's putting down the phone and spending some time in prayer and silence before our almighty creator. Whatever it is, find and identify the the ways that you are being led by the good shepherd. And don't just confess your loyalty to him this morning. Live it out. Surrender your will to him. Listen to his voice. Heed his wisdom and experience the abundant life. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're so grateful that you are the good shepherd, the true shepherd, who's willing to, to lead us and who's willing to come and give your life for ours. Father, we recognize that we are sheep,
We might not like saying that. It might not roll off our tongue very easily, but that's what we are. And we need to be led. We need you. We need your wisdom and your guidance. And I pray that we would turn to you continually. That we would learn your ways and we would follow them. And that we would be a light in this world. A light in the darkness. Be with us this morning. Maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to give their life to Christ. That needs to turn from the ways of the world and follow you. If that's so, we hope that they'll do that. We honor you and glorify you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.